welcome across the multiverse to Earth 894, a podcast ruled by the MCU. Here on Earth 894, we discuss the latest MCU news, the reviews, the commentary we provide, sometimes the rumors, and anything else that comes on our mind. My name is Devin Stone, and joining me as always, the soldier to my super serum, Louis Tannerini. I'll be your uh, super soldier serum, soldier. Oh yeah, all right. It's a new one. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Still recovering after that uh, fourth episode. It was pretty heavy. It was freaking raw. I've said it a thousand times now since we've been talking. John Walker out there making money moves. <laughs> Let me see. I just want to pull up a quick, quick text message from you. Uh, oh man. I'll save for MCU for you, but <laughs> yeah. We always like to start each episode with a little bit of an icebreaker because, you know, we like to warm up and um, just like good old Captain America, he was frozen on ice for a long time and then he came back. So we kind of like to do the same thing. Captain America, Steve Rogers was frozen on ice, not Captain America, the the current one. That is true. We we do need to specify now, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, But yes, Steve Rogers, our Captain America. Maybe not yours. But he's no first Captain America. The Captain America. No, the no, no, no. The, the first one. <laughs> the first Avenger. Yeah. But yeah, man. So we'd like to do this little segment called MCU for You, where Louie and I just kind of talk about what's been uh, going on with the past weekend since uh, recording our last episode. Just anything that was Marvel related or anything fun. We could basically just shoot the shit here. MCU for You. You mentioned off air you had a little bit of a funny story, so I'm pretty excited. So let's kick things off with uh, MCU for you, Lou. I'm going to have you know you're not the only person that I bugged the shit out of with my love for John Walker. <laughs> um, well, That poor, poor soul. The other day, and this girl I know posted a meme about John Walker and... I can't remember exactly what the meme was, but he had the bloody shield, mm-hmm. you know, and said something about uh, how he he doesn't deserve to be Captain America. And I was just like, well, let me tell you something that you don't know. And I just went off and Uh-oh. and I got into a bit, not a big argument, but just a little friendly argument with her about whether or not John Walker is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Oh, that's probably the text message you're going to bring up. Anyway, um, (laughs) whether or not he's freaking awesome. And then another friend of mine, Joe, got into it. He goes, oh, are you just trolling? You know, are you just doing that thing where you're just annoying as hell just to get a rise out of people? Never. And I said, I said, no, I think John Walker is the freaking man. Even after this episode, I think he's even more the man. Holy crap. Well, not until the very end did I think he was super the man, but not Superman, but super the man. But after the end, I was like, yes, this is the man. That was uh, the one. And then later on, she she posted another one where it said. Uh, it said something about Captain America and she goes, yeah, everyone hates you. And I and I commented, not everyone with a, <laughs> with a winky face. Oh, my God, dude. Just just a reminder that uh, he has fans. He has fan. Oh, he has a fan. So, yeah, I I, uh, I super, super liked this episode. 
I got we got a lot more John Walker in. Um, mm. what else? I watched Civil War to kind of uh, go back and see what's what's hip happening. Mm. Plus, Civil War is freaking incredible, so I watched that. That is a good one. Um, I'd have to say that's it's about all the MCU I have this uh, this week. Nice. How about you, Mr. Devin? Well, I can't say for myself that I went around trolling anyone uh, about my love and passion for... Uh, I didn't troll anybody. <laughs> for John Walker. But uh, yeah, so for me, I mainly just um, kind of took it easy. But we've kind of been working on something behind the scenes here a little bit, and we've been trying to get some new artwork. And so I've been doing a little back and forth with an artist we uh, connected with, and we have some brand new official Earth 894, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast artwork. It is absolutely gorgeous. We were blown away by how incredible it turned out. And I want to give a quick shout out to the uh, the artist here for us. Um, her name is Emily. We found her on Instagram at emily.sweet.art. And sweet is S-W-E-E-T. She has a lot of cool just fan artwork and stuff like that, especially Marvel related, even um, some DC stuff looks like and uh, makes a lot of like fandom artwork. But she's extremely talented. She was so, so open to all her suggestions and just came through with just like on such a quick turnaround, too, which is really impressive. I play in a band and let me tell you. Dealing with other artists can sometimes be a pain in the butt just because you might get an expected date of something like a new video or new merch design on this date, but it might not come through until almost three times the length you were supposed to expect it uh, later. And usually some really weird, uh, like excuses and stuff like that. Thankfully, Emily was not like that. She was awesome. Um, you can check out the artwork is officially live now as of uh, this episode. And um, yeah, go check it out. It's on our Instagram. It's on our Facebook. And then we're going to be slowly working on a website too um in the coming weeks so uh yeah we look pretty darn good i must say not only that we look pretty darn heroic give, give her a like oh yes please go follow her i uh what are you gonna say i found that meme it's not really a meme it's just a picture of him holding the bloody shield and then underneath it is the picture of him standing over the uh the, the flag smasher that he just wrecked mm-hmm. and then she says you about to lose your job i have never d- despised a fictional character the way i do john walker old raggedy bitch and then i commented on it <laughs> and i commented john walker is the man and then there's like 20 more comments underneath it of just you uh you are an, you are an ass basically and i was just like no he's just misunderstood We'll get in. We'll get more into it when we talk about the episode. But but I think I think he's I think he's doing his freaking best. But I'm sorry. Go ahead with uh, the rest of your MCU for you. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, but I do want to share a text message after watching the episode uh, this past Friday that Louie texted me. Just finished the episode. This is from Louie, <laughs> by the way. Just finished the episode. My guy is out here beating fools with his shield. 
I said, bruh, that was brutal. You go brutally awesome. <laughs> I am LOLing. You say edgy cap is life. And then later on, we're talking about the artwork we just got. And then um, if you've seen it by now, uh, I look like Spider-Man and Louie looks like the amazing Captain America. And then I said, I said, you look heroic AF, dude. Louie responds with the best Captain America since John Walker. What? And I literally had to like put my phone down. <laughs> Pick it back up. <laughs> I go, he doesn't count. He sucks. You go, if by, in quotes, sucks, you mean, in quotes, is awesome, end quotes, then he totally sucks. <laughs> then yeah, he totally sucks. And that was our comment. <laughs> that was our exchange. And I was like, and you never responded. Because I was right. You knew it. No, man, I wanted to save it for the podcast. Oh. Which is why we're here tonight. We're going to dive into some awesome spoiler-filled discussion for episode four of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, titled The Whole World is Watching. So when I was a kid, my TT passed away. Your, your TT? Yeah, my, my TT, yeah. Who is your TT? When I was a kid, my aunt passed away. Your TT would be proud of you. As a kid, I was actually a Captain America fan. I don't know if I should teach you about that yet. That made me believe that there was decent people in this world. I didn't think there could be another Captain America until I met you. So let's dive in. It was a pretty, it was a pretty good episode, man. Yeah, this was so far. It's the highest-rated episode on uh, IMDb. It's a nine out of ten. I was nervous heading in. With it ending ending last week with Io, I said they're gonna have to say, say something about Wakanda. You know, something Wakanda is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Then the episode starts and you hear that, and then there it says what it says yeah, Wakanda, drums. and you're like, all right, you know they're gonna they're gonna have to address the elephant in the room. And then they they just didn't. <laughs> they just the white wolf in the room. No, no, you know what I'm saying. They had to adjust the whole T'Challa situation, and they just. Chala wasn't wasn't around for this part. Oh. Which, you know, makes sense. But I thought for sure they were gonna say something and they just they just did not. Yeah, oh um they actually did just say uh, I think it was the producer of the film. I forget his name, but they were sharing around. I saw like an IGN article saying that they said uh they're not going to CGI Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther 2. And then at the beginning of the episode, we got more emotion from Sebastian Stan than he showed his entire run in the MCU. Yeah, he did. Like, usually he's just sitting there stone-faced and stoic, cracking a joke every now and then. Stoic. But usually just not doing it. Like like they say, just staring. And uh, Io started mm-hmm. using her Russian words for to activate the Winter Soldier. He cries a whole lot. At first, it's just one big, chonky gangster tear that rolls down his face. And then then he gets more mm-hmm. into it. But it, like, showed everything that he felt bad about in his uh, Winter Soldier career. Sans. I don't, I don't think they showed mm-hmm. uh, 
that that boy he killed in the first episode that uh no, it yeah, didn't do a So I think it was just the stuff from the movies. Yeah. But yeah. It showed showed him being cured of being the winter soldier. Yeah. It's very how do I want to say it? I'm glad they actually showed that too. Because it's not like it was a scene they had to spend a lot of time on because you understand the depth and how important it is for his character, especially in his development. Because we see him in the whole beginning of this series where he's going to therapy, but he doesn't really give a shit. He's trying to like amends. He's trying to work with it, but like he doesn't care. But then here he is in Wakanda where he did mention to his uh, shrink or whatever that Wakandas are the only place where he felt calm. And then now we're finally seeing probably why he felt calm too. If you think about it, like they're like just getting past trauma, right? If you're in a more, calm environment or something you're more comfortable in so think how he is in that little white office in dc or wherever he's at versus being in wakanda where he's actually separated and isolated but still in like a place where he can clear his head he's obviously feeling more calm or else he wouldn't have mentioned how he felt about being in wakanda at the time not fighting not being a soldier so it makes sense that he probably made more progress therapeutically in trying to actually break from being that sleeper agent and being able to eventually not get triggered by the the phrases and the words. So I think it really does show how important Wakanda is to Bucky and why he really is thankful for the time that he spent there and being able to, you know, change. So, um, yeah, that was a really good opening scene. I liked it a lot. Did you tear up? I did not. I'm not a I'm not a Bucky guy, so ah. he wasn't uh, ah. tugging on my heartstrings. I know you're a walker. Hey man, he's he's freaking dope. He's out here making money moves, as I said. Uh, poor White Russell. Well, he does a really, really, really phenomenal job. I will admit. Yeah. As an actor, he's killing it. However, fuck John Walker. Whoa! Hey. You got some acorns on you, kid. Like I think the point is, you're not supposed to like him. And he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job at that for everyone except for me, who thinks he's freaking dope. You know, at this point, I really don't know if you're being serious at this point anymore or not. I think he's I really freaking awesome. Know. What do you mean? Do you really think that I don't think he's awesome? How? No, I thought you. No, I know you thought he was an awesome replacement pseudo cat at the beginning of this show. But after this episode... Oh, he's not a good replacement, no, but... But you like him. I think he's freaking cool. Yeah. But after this episode, you still, like, your opinion hasn't changed? No. I'll, I'll explain why. Why I think... Why I think that. And, uh... Is there any... Do we want to hold that off, like, the John Walker discussion until later in the episode? Well, yeah, it happens at the end of the episode. Why it? would we dive into it right now? It doesn't make any sense, right? You know what? You got a very good point, and I succeed. Well, let's talk about some other stuff, then. Yeah, John Walker doesn't even come in until like halfway through the episode or whatever. Yeah, he comes in pretty late. We have some we have some Zemo to talk about and all sorts of good stuff. Man, taking back Zemo, let me tell you. That guy pulled a straight up like did you ever watch uh um what is it? Uh The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. I did, uh, but I didn't I I I did see it. I don't remember anything about it though. I remember the big lion. Well, it's pretty funny. Um, 
because in this movie in the book too but like in the movie what was really funny was the the white witch is obviously the white bitch but she persuades one of the children in the book like hey give me the information i'll give you whatever you want and this being a little boy he's like turkish delight so she literally just does like some white witch magic and then uh it's like a little container of turkish delight and then he's like, ooh, Turkish Delight, I will tell you everything. And so it's kind of funny. It's like, Turkish Delight, inner child. He gives the kids, and then it's like, ooh, information. Irresistible. What, um, yeah, something like that. He sings a song when he's walking up to her, and it's super creepy. Do you remember which Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir, yes, sir, three backs full. One for my master, one for the dame, one for the little girl who lives down the lane. Yeah, it's so it, creepy. It was really creepy. It didn't even sound like him. No, no. And I even rewatched that part uh, before we started recording tonight. And even I was like, still like, okay, Zemo, maybe just stick to just dancing. Binging with Babish makes Turkish delight from the Chronicles of Narnia. I saw that. Right after this episode aired. Yeah. And I said, how do they know? How do they know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Zemo too, they uh, they released the Zemo cut. Did you see that? The full extended him dancing? No, I didn't. Oh, it's like a good like 30 seconds long. It's pretty funny. Oh, it's just what? more club shots of him doing different dancing and stuff. But I'll, one of I'll my favorite ones, one of my favorite parts of uh, that clip is there's one where he starts doing like a clap like this. He's just like, and it's just so like, like white dad at like a like a random club dancing whoa, and whoa whoa, it's so funny. What's wrong with being a white dad? You know, a suburban dad. There's a stereotype whoa, of being like whoa. What's whoa. that one commercial? It's like you're starting to become your father after taking out a. Is that a, like the, a like a? Those are the best commercials. Company? No. Yeah, I'm saying it's like that. That's what they do. That stereo. Uh, that uh, that commercial where it's like. Come on in, guys. The water's fine. It's like he became his dad because he did something you any, online. You guys serve jalapeno poppers? And jalapeno <laughs> poppers for the boys. One round. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> I was thinking of Zemo doing his like clap dance. It was pretty amusing. Well, as we get back to the episode, Devin, Zemo said that Turkish Delight was his son's favorite. Which is a little bit of oh, a, uh, yeah, yeah. a throwback Sticks. to uh, Sokovia, Age of Ultron, where his son perishes. That's true. I forgot about that when one. When they drop an entire entire city. He did say it was my son's favorite. So you could s- still see that he's still upset. Obviously, he would still be upset, but he's been like a little goofy and a little mm-hmm. sinister, but... It's still deep down. He's still worried, not worried, but he's still upset about his family and everything. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be one of those characters that just like moves on, even if it seems like he's not. But I mean, yeah, that that's that's a pretty important line. I totally forgot about that one, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, before anything with Zemo even happens, uh. Bucky just tells Io that he's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So they're just using him. And then Bucky goes in and tells them that the Wakandans will be here in eight hours. And Yeah, that was to funny get, too. 
They need to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And then they made fun of poor Anthony Mackie about his TT. <laughs> yeah, it's like your TT. <laughs> <laughs> he said it when his TT died, he's like, your TT? Yeah, my TT. <laughs> what is a TT? When my aunt died, they had a big <laughs> funeral. He says, I'm sure your TT was. Yeah. Zemo, you jerk. You know, what Childish Rider was, was trying to say TT as much as he could on a Marvel property. What? I mean, what I'm like saying, what was a childish like writer at Marvel who was just trying to get TT said as much as he could on a show, you know? Right. So they have to go and find uh, Donya Madani. Donya? 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 I think it was Donya. I don't know. It's like Donna I don't know if she's. I don't know if she's related, but in the Punisher show on Netflix, mm-hmm. the main the main uh, antagonist, I wouldn't call her the bad guy, but mm-hmm. the one that's trying to bring down Frank Castle, her name is Madani. Hmm. I mean, I doubt, I, d- I really doubt, her name is Dina. Dina Madani. Could just be a little like a... I doubt that they're related, Donya and yeah, Dina. Yeah, just one of those like little nods. There's certain things, certain things in the uh, in the MCU that I find and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're related and mm-hmm. usually they're not. But But then they go to this city, I can't remember the name of the city they were in, but to, to try and find this, this Donya Madani. Mm-hmm. And I guess Zemo had been there before I didn't really pick up on it, but he said like this place used to be so beautiful and now it's like a dump. Do you remember him saying that? Yeah. And then Sam goes upstairs and he tells Bucky to keep his eye on, on, uh, Zemo. Sam starts walking through all the, uh, the classrooms and the sewing rooms and everything. And people just, keep walking, getting up, walking away and closing a door. And he's just like, well, looks like I can never talk to them again. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. You guys never opened a door before. That made me think of like, whenever you play a video game where like, you're just walking through an area and I guess stuff's about to go down that all the like NPCs just start running off and then they just disappear from the game. That's exactly and then they what walk I through got. a door and then you, you try to open the door and the door's locked and you can't get through. Yeah, exactly like, oh, like that. Looks like I got to move on. Yeah, that's what I got. Do you know Donya Madani? And then the guy picks up the little kid. He's like, we're not refugees. We we have nothing to seek refuge from. Powerful line. I know who you are. You know, it's funny, too. Because wasn't it in episode three, Cap tells the one, uh, like, uh, sympathizer who lets uh, the Flag Smasher stay at his place when Walker goes like, do you know who I am? It's like, I know who you are, and I don't care. But Sam didn't even have to ask. I liked I liked that you just called him Cap. What? That was pretty cool. Oh my god. You did it all by yourself. Oh my god. Anyways, um, I'm wh- editing that out. What wh- wh- you better not. <laughs> no, one, I'm not. One thing one thing that bothers me about Sam this series, uh-huh. I don't know if anybody's noticed it besides me, but he always says he's gonna he's gonna help and make a call. He's done it like three times where he's like, what's your name? I'm going to make a call and help you out. And it's like, 
It's like, why no. do you keep saying this? Yeah. Obviously, you can't. You know, they're selling your house or whatever, mm-hmm. your boat. There's no one you can call, Sam. What What are you doing? And he's just like, oh, I'll make a call. He told Sharon he's going to make a call. He told this this guy that's in the refugee camp, but not a refuge, refugee. Mm-hmm. The and he's going to make him a call. He, he's making everybody a call. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he refers to them, uh, the refugee that is, he refers to themselves as internationally displaced persons. Yeah. And it's, it's, a uh, it's not. What is the name of the the company that comes and rescues the, the people? Uh, it's a GRC. It's like the global. The global Re- repatriation council or something yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah, once again, that is a mouthful. So GRC they is didn't much really, better. They didn't really talk about that much. They just had like a commercial at the beginning of the second or third or fourth epi- yeah, third, second or third episode. Second or third episode. Yeah, they're just like one of those, you know, just another government entity that just doesn't do shit. At seems least not like, fast uh, enough. Seems like they're kind of FEMA-ish, where everybody mm-hmm. was mad at FEMA after uh, Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. You know exactly, but yeah, um, Sam gets nowhere, and then it scrolls down to uh, Baba Black Sheep Have You Any Wool, which is super creepy. He just talks <laughs> yeah, that to was... yikes. He he grabs a weird stool with a hole in the middle of it mm-hmm. by the hole in the middle, which I thought was weird. <laughs> just the whole thing was weird. <laughs> and he puts it down and then he dumps the candy on top. And all I thought was all that candy is going to spill through that hole in that stool. None of it did. I guess Turkish Delight's pretty freaking big. But one little girl comes up and steals the candy. And then, he's, and then he makes up a little clever story about his friend Donya died. Do you know her? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll show you where it's at. You gave me candy, sir. Yeah, he basically tells her he wants to pay his last respects and then... Uh, after bribing her way too easily, she does mention that um, where the funeral's at and everything. But Zemo, this is where we finally get to see him be a little conniving back to his old ways, where he mentions like in um to the girl he whispers in her ear, telling him that like Sam and Bucky are bad men and they should not be trusted. Don't tell them anything about Danya. Which I don't know if that girl would have anyways, but it's just kind of interesting that they wanted us to know that he's telling people intentionally that uh, do not trust these people. He did that, and then he immediately told them everything that she just told him about Donya. Yeah, maybe it could have been a failsafe. Or maybe it literally is just they wrote that into the plot just so we saw that he's up to something. Or the only other thing I could think would be when Sam comes down and he's standing next to Bucky and the little girl's still talking to him. He goes, what is mm-hmm. he up to? Maybe she told him something else there that even we don't know, mm-hmm. which I, I don't really see happening because I don't see Donya Madani being a uh, plot point anymore. No. But, you know, always a, a thing. It was kind of funny, too, that Zima has left all the candy. Well, yeah, he, he gave it to all the kids. Mm-hmm. It's irresistible. I think that's what he says. Something like that. 
So after we afterwards we do get that really cool scene where they're talking uh again. They're all just in their little uh kind of like safe house area. It mentions how the world um and they start talk, like discussing how the world was during the blip and everything. And Sam kind of mentions this uh pivotal point of view saying like how the world came together during that 5 years. And we kind of learn more about with that uh discussion he had with the teacher not too uh, long ago saying how you know people were helping each other out and also a lot of these people got pushed out of their own homes or maybe it's Carly who talks about this actually during the funeral possession by the way someone mentions yeah. that yeah like they originally like all the people who were there the whole time they got like forced out of their homes and stuff like that once people got snapped back and then all of a sudden they were homeless and they were there the whole time so I totally see the like the class and internal struggle that turns into because of the blip and everyone turning. But it's also interesting because like people are starting to like he understands why people miss the way things were because you know after five years they start to kind of like realize that's a reality. Half the world's population is gone, so you have to adjust and you have to adapt. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how many billions of people are in the earth at this point in the MCU, but billions of people are still returning out of nowhere. So of course that's going to cause a lot of crazy shit going on. Um, but it's just interesting that we learn more about how the people who stayed here, who didn't get snapped away, they were the ones, at least for some, they got forced out of their homes, things like that. Um, and had to forfeit their stuff to people who came back. But it's interesting because we saw in the beginning of far from home, Spider-Man, that Aunt May got kicked out of her place and she was homeless for a while because she got snapped back into reality and turns out other people were living in her apartment. So it's just kind of interesting that there's two there's two sides to this. So I think no matter what, um, there are a lot of losses and there are a lot of, I don't want to call them wins. It doesn't seem like an appropriate term for it, but basically there was a lot of loss overall um rightfully so and i just can't imagine like all the legal structure of like this would actually happen to us in our reality i can't imagine how insane all the legalities of everything would be and the logistics of yeah i bought this place because people disappeared and then all of a sudden they're back and then they want their place back but i have no idea and now i'm homeless like what do you do in that situation so it's kind of nice it's uh, the MCU is starting to show more about all this like gray area and all the stuff that comes with the repercussions of bringing everyone back. So um, I like they're they're making us scratch our heads more and start to think more critically about the world at large, not just like oh yeah, guess what, everyone's back, yay! All right, end to the next movie. Yeah, they really uh, when they put up the five years later in in Endgame, you're mm-hmm. like, how, why, what is what is that even? So yeah. you knew you knew you were going to get more uh, stuff about it. I remember the audible gasp in the theater when that popped up five years later. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, oh, years. Oh, yikes. Yeah. And they, they talked about it a little bit in Far From Home, but mm-hmm. not not like this. Exactly. So they're headed to the funeral. And that's when. America the Beautiful comes waltzing in and he says, 
who do you guys think you are breaking him out of jail? And Bucky says, well, well, he did that himself. <laughs> and uh, That was so funny. I laughed my ass off when he said that. It's like, technically, yeah. uh, he did it himself. <laughs> and then they said that they needed him because he's got information. And John, like, he's like, whatever. We'll go get Carly and do this thing. And then Sam says, well, I want to talk to her by myself. He says, no, absolutely not. Like a leader, you know, he took charge. Absolutely not. You can't do that. And then uh, my other guy, Battlestar, had to talk him down. He's like, I mean, it might be worth the shot. He's like, okay, you can you can talk to her. You got 10 minutes. Well, mm-hmm. he doesn't say that, but but he says it later. So they go into the weird place. I don't even know what that place is. Got yeah, big tanks like in like, it and mm-hmm. like a warehouse, maybe something. And uh, they go in there, and Sam says, "Well, I'm going in." And and uh, Cap says, "Well, you got ten minutes, and then I'm coming after you." Which didn't make a lot of sense to me. They're in the middle of a funeral procession. Why did he only give him ten minutes? What did you think was like? I feel yeah. like the whole ten minutes was wasted on the funeral procession. Anyway, as soon as Sam walks away. As soon as Sam walks away, uh, Cap handcuffs uh, Zemo. homeboy, uh, Zemo. And then uh, you see Sam watching over the funeral procession mm-hmm. as Carly, like, nervously stares at him while she's, like, no. helping these people through uh, losing their their blip mom you know there's actually a lot we skipped over too just even before all that um because as you were yeah as you were referencing earlier you're saying like sam is all saying he's gonna make a call well he did make a call after uh zemo found out the location everything of danya um oh yeah he always makes a call yeah so uh sam tells bucky eventually kind of like he needs to back off because he bucky threatens zemo over getting um, information for like the location, everything for Danya and Sam ends up calling our uh, good old Sharon Carter. Right. And he tells her basically like everything that's going on where they found the camp, but no one's willing to tell him anything. Uh, the refugees that is. And then um, very, very attention to detail here. If you pick up just like the environment that Sharon's at, as she's on the phone with Sam, because ultimately she says like she can help, uh, like kind of be the eye in the sky, but she says like, "Oh yeah, I have access to a couple satellites." If she's not with the FBI anymore, presumably she's on the run. We know that she's like an art dealer, that she's got some power here and there in Madripoor. But like, how does she just casually have access to satellites for surveillance? And I want to point back to the graffiti when they go to Madripoor on the wall. Power watcher is watching. How better yet can you watch with satellites? And we see her use them too later in the episode too. She's keeping an eye on everyone. So suspicious. <laughs> but also while she's there, she's uh, like wherever she's at. I don't know if it's like her apartment or home, whatever the hell. She's got like bodyguards around. She's just casually talking to some of them here and there, like in passing while she's on the phone. Definitely looks a little bit high end just for some, you know, art uh, dealing on, that's very illegal, but still 
it looks like she's got some henchmen. And then she does really put an emphasis on how um, what happened with the serum and everything. I think she even says like the golden goose or something like that. Uh, what happened to the doctor that they uh, took out last week in the previous episode. But she does make an emphasis on Nagel. how. Yeah, and Dr. Nagel. She does make an emphasis on how like the power broker really wants to see him back and that Sam needs to find Carly. Things are looking kind of weird. I don't know. I still I'm still in the camp that she could be the power broker or if she isn't the van camp, <laughs> the van camp. Damn. <laughs> Touche. Um, I think she is still in cahoots or she's working with or for um, the power broker. So I don't think that she's really a good person here or she could be a double agent again with her shield background and everything or FBI, whatever. Um, and she could be like, no, I'm totally good the whole time, guys. I just had to keep up a front that I'm like a bad person. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. A lot can change. But yeah, that's all I wanted to go back and uh, touch base on because I felt that was a very pivotal um, detail in the you're episode right. that continually right. brought over. But that does bring us back to what you're talking about. No, you're good, homie. You're good. You're good. So this brings us back to what you're saying. Um, they're in this like funeral procession, this memorial um for danya and everything and that's when carly's kind of talking she's very calm she's very open you see she looks vulnerable and um she does eventually lock eyes and notice that sam is in there because he's the one gonna go in first and he's gonna talk to her and i really do like this point in the episode too before he goes in to try and kind of discuss what's going on with her he does mention to the overly like anxious, constantly pacing, very not clear-minded John Walker that Sam was, he used to counsel uh, soldiers in grief and everything. So he's really trying to emphasize that he needs to be the one to talk to Carly. It's very important that he does. You can't always just punch your way out of things. And so it's very telling that he's trying to take this more peaceful approach with someone who's in grief and someone that's not thinking clearly and is very dangerous. And sometimes the best way to handle a violent person or someone in that kind of state is by trying to actually talk to them, not always just go in guns a blazing. And we know this show does have some political and social commentary, especially with what goes on in the U S with race and class and just violence overall. So I'm already starting to get a lot of heavy handed like police brutality in different ways of handling someone who's mentally unstable, um, especially with like from the police versus like a social worker's perspective. And they do a beautiful job of portraying that concept here in this episode um, with this uh, funeral scene. So um, yeah, to keep moving forward, uh, what else happens once uh, he joins? Or once uh, Sam shows up in the room, um, she sees him and then, um, what was it? Uh, her tone of voice starts to change a bit. It goes from like a calm demeanor to her being a little bit more kind of uh, defensive. On edge. Louder, yeah, on, on edge. Great way to describe it. Um, but yeah, what else happens? Well, finally, Sam gets in there and uh, he's talking to her about this guy that he's got knows more about 
super soldiers and anybody. And he says that she is a supremacist supremacist. And, uh, she takes great offense to that. She says that she's the opposite of a supremacist. I know I'm not. And, uh, Sam's kind of explaining to her. And that's when John Walker loses his freaking mind and, mm-hmm. uh, and tries to, uh, just barge in. I don't know if he did wait the full 10 minutes or if it was even before that or what, but he was itching to go. He tries to, he tries to barge in and, and Bucky doesn't let him through. And then he ends up pushing past Bucky by saying that Carly might've killed Sam and that's your partner and your friend and you're just letting him in there to die. And, mm-hmm. and then that's when you see Bucky kind of ease up and let John Walker through, which is nice because Bucky this whole time has been saying, I don't care about Sam. Once we're done with this, we're never going to have to talk to each other again, which you knew was, was bull crap, but yeah. Um, now they're, you know, opening up and, and it seems Bucky's actually worried about Sam even enough to let John in there to ruin their, their whole plan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, John goes, goes in guns a blazing and Carly is freaking PO'd and, uh, I don't remember how she escapes, but she definitely does. And in the escape, they glance over to that tank that that uh, Zemo was mm-hmm. was uh, handcuffed to, and he's gone now too. Which I don't know how he escaped, but I'm sure he's smart and he figured it out. Classic uh, hairpin in the in the hidden in the mouth or in your shoe trick. Yeah. Just did something like so that. So he, he got out and then it's like a the chase is on to see who can who can find Carly. And uh they all end up in like no. They show Carly ends up in a different part of the warehouse or the factory and Zemo's standing there and he shoots at her a good few times and she ends up like And he hits her at least once. Yeah, she ends up getting away pretty much unscathed but she's hiding behind a table but all of her serum fell out Mm -hmm. and then Zemo goes ape shit and just starts stomping on serum and he breaks all of them or so he thinks all of them and then all of a sudden he gets hit in the side of the head with a shield (laughs) (laughs) hard as hell that was pretty funny I'm not gonna lie You know, there was that brief pause too, right before he stomps because he finally comes face to face looking at the serum and he's like, you start to think, is he actually considering taking it or something else diabolical? And I really like that they did that pause because you're like, you know, he's been subverting a lot of uh, expectations so far in this series. Maybe he's going to, oh, nope, nope. But he's playing the game of DDR. He's stomping him. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. That's what I really like. He is still true to his character and his morals. If he does not want super soldiers being around, even with face with the opportunity to become what he hates, he says F that. And he still destroys it, which I thought was really, really cool. But of course, you know, one of course does get away and well, John, John walks in 
Carly escapes. John John walks in and picks up the shield after he absolutely obliterated Zemo with it. <laughs> and uh, he John finds one vial on the ground of the serum, and he puts it in his in his little his little pocket. And then the rest of the guys show up: Bucky and Sam and uh, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of pick Zemo up, and they. They go back to the uh, the safe house, I believe, right? Yeah, they make their way back to the safe house, and then Carly kind of um, meets up with uh, Nico, who we earlier saw in the episode. Um, we kind of brushed over his part, but basically we find out that he's part of the Flag Smashers, and he actually used to really look up to um, Steve Rogers. And I was really a th- Captain think- America fan, he says. I used to look up to him. Well, buddy... <laughs> I've I've never seen anybody like Captain America until I met you. Yeah. Yeah, he looks up to Captain America pretty well after this uh, exchange. Spoilers. Yeah. So they make it back to the safe house. For what it's worth, there's no shield side shield size shield sized dent inside of uh, Zemo's head or anything. It was so funny just watching him sit there with like an ice pack on his head. I was not expecting that to be like the outcome of that event. We're all just like, all right, well, we tried. And then they're all arguing and. And then you hear the. uh, Does the drum hit again? Yeah, we get that little uh, needle drop that that sound cue. It's like, oh, shit. And then the Wakandans come in. I can't remember what they, I can't remember the, what they're called. The Dora Malaje. Oh, there it is. You're so smart. They <laughs> come you, in IMDb. and, uh, throw in their spears and everything. And they just mess up Captain America. They, it wasn't even close. They weren't even super soldiers. And, uh, them, they mess up him and Battlestar in the in the safe house mm-hmm. and then it shows sam and bucky just watch it like, oh well do you think we should help and then they ended up helping mm-hmm. so that way they didn't like kill captain america for zemo and in the commotions Zemo we get that awesome line it's just like sam and uh bucky are just watching casley on the sidelines it's like should we do something you're looking good john real strong <laughs> <laughs> like that like pettiness is so good i loved it it's like yeah. all right maybe we should do something i don't think anybody hates john walker more than than uh bucky barnes oh yeah that's it's pretty high up there but then again the whole world could or they might not we'll get to that later or they're gonna think he, or they're gonna think he's freaking dope anyway the wakandans are just it's only it's two of them is it just, two? I thought it was at least like three or four. Oh, I thought it was only two. At least enough like, to, to fight each person in the room. I thought they were just fighting the two of them. And yeah. then that's why they start doing better after yeah. Sam and Bucky come in and help. And they grab the spears and everything. But in all the commotion, you see Zemo get up and shimmy his way into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Once everything kind of settles down they realized that Zemo has escaped. He pulled a, he pulled a Loki and he grabbed his little thing and he, he's gone. I, I'm gonna head out. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of like an end game where, where 
there's the commotion going on and Loki mm-hmm. picks up the Tesseract and phew, he's gone. I'm out. So now we're missing a Zemo. No more Zemo for us. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm sure he'll pop in a little bit here in the next couple episodes. The final. Two oh, episodes. I'm sure he will, too. But yeah. we just we don't get him. We don't get him for the rest of the, this episode. Right. You're right. Yeah, that was a that was a funny and cool action moment. We did see um, Bucky literally lose his arm. He got. Oh, she went hard on his arm, right? Yeah, they de-armed him. She just. And he was just like, "What the?" F-? And, and he, even, he's just standing there like an idiot with one arm. <laughs> yeah, they kicked it. They kicked their ass. You do not mess with Thormelage. But um, yeah, I love seeing how defeated John Walker looks too, where he's literally just in his eyes. He's like, "What the hell, man!" Like. Because each episode, he's gotten his ass beat, ass beat, ass beat, ass beat. And then when he realizes that the people who he just got his ass handed to again, they weren't super. They're just, they're just better. And, you know, he's being idolized in America as like perfect poster boy for the new Captain America. And so starting to realize like, it's like that metaphor, not a metaphor, but just like people say it's like, you know, oh, this high school superstar, whatever sports athlete, he was super good. No one can compete with him. Then he got into college and he was a little bench warmer. It's like you never actually realized like how many good people are out there until you actually start to kind of get more intertwined with those who have talent just as much as you and if not more, um, puts things into perspective. But he's definitely gotten to this lowest, more like uh, lowest, like, morale point because he just keeps getting his ass handed to him so he's kind of becoming more on the side of being a little uh what's it for not nefarious but he's up to no good yeah and then we get the scene i swear if this is the wrong episode i'm gonna feel so dumb then we get the scene where carly's on the phone and Mm -hmm. she calls uh sam's sister yeah that, that was this episode that's what I thought. Um, she calls Sam's sister and basically says that she wants to talk to Sam and she's only calling her because uh, she's the only one that Sam trusts. And if she doesn't follow through, she's going to meet, I can't remember the boys' names, but she names her sons on the mm-hmm. dock and she's going to kill everybody and this and that. And so uh, she calls Sam and Rightfully so. Sam is freaking pissed. Oh, yeah. And then uh, you get another scene where uh, John Walker and Battlestar are talking to each other. Lamar Hoskins. Mm -hmm. This is what does it. That's where he he says, well, if you could have taken the serum, would you have? Hoskins goes. You, you know what? You know what? Before I even talk about this, we forgot earlier in the in the episode. Um, Zemo asks Sam if mm. you could have taken this yes, the, yes. the serum, would you? And without hesitation, Sam says, "Absolutely not, no." And then Zemo's like, "Wow, no hesitation at all. That's surprising." And then now, 
he asks Lamar, he goes, would you have taken it? And Lamar says, hell yeah. You know, you could have been everything. Hells, yeah. Is that what he says? He's literally, because I watched with captions hells, on. Hells, yeah. He said, hells, yeah. I was like, all so, right, that's, all right, whatever. He, like, explains to John that's, like, everything, you know, everything that you ever wanted, and you're going to be this super badass guy or whatever, but but it's all gone, so what are you going to do? Yeah, but also I think the difference between, because the whole point of, Lamar Hoskins is that he's the one that's like the angel on Walker's shoulder. He's the one who's like grounding him and bringing him back into reality. Um, when he gets a little overboard, which is far too often to say the least, but, um, he's basically asking Lamar to help him make his decision because Lamar, you know, he says, hell's yeah. But the thing is Lamar does mention, he's like, he references uh, an event in Afghanistan saying like, can you imagine how many lives we could have saved if we had that serum? But at this point, John has already checked out. He's like, all right, he said he would. I'd do it too. And he has it. And it's weighing on his conscience because he's like, fuck, I need it. Um, yeah. But I think that's like the difference because, I mean, the difference between these two guys. If Lamar had it and he... I think he would do good and I don't think he'd be as crazy as violent because we've already seen him be a lot more reasonable and at least more understanding and not so quick to action as uh Walker is, especially when it comes to violent actions of trying to get to some sort of resolution of your conflict. So in my eyes, Lamar could have actually been more in line of the ideals of what Steve Rogers became because remember, um, the doctor told him in the first Avenger, he was like, but you're like pure heart or you have good intentions. That's what they needed for that uh, test program with the serum. It wasn't just being the strongest person out there, the best soldier like John Walker. He lacks heart, the genuinity like, or the genuine side of actually someone with good intent who can actually do good. And so that's why I think is kind of, I kind of commend Lamar for it because he at least seems to have the right intention, but Walker is doing it for selfish reasons, and that's why he's asking about it. Um, he even mentions too, like uh, Walker um, kind of wonders how like the serum would change him, and like Hoskins makes that uh, line of like, "Well, dude, you already have three medals of honor," but Walker's like, "Nah, man, that's not enough." It's like being Captain America is like one of the first chances he had to actually do something that feels right and so um that's when that line about hoskins wondering how many lives could have saved in afghanistan if they had the serum um yeah it definitely was a good moment because we get to kind of see where that point in walker's character is going to change because he's having that conversation with his best friend at this point and then cue that scene with um carly calling sarah and sam finding out and Getting pretty pissed. Everyone's on edge right now, and it's um cooking up to be a really good uh conclusion for this episode. Well, Carly or uh Carly talks to Sam and she says to meet him on the roof of this building or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. And she says, Come alone. And Sam says, Well, yeah, she said she told me to come alone. 
And Bucky said, no, I'm coming with you. And so Bucky ends up going with, and she points that out. She's like, oh, looks like you brought your little friend with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Sam did give the coordinates of everything where they're going to meet to uh, Sharon. Yeah. And so they're they're talking. I don't I don't even really remember what they were talking about, but I remember him saying, how could you even bring my nephews into this? And Mm -hmm. she said, your nephews are safe. I'm not going to hurt them. I just needed to make sure that you came and I needed to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what else they talked about during that time? Well, she does mention how she doesn't want to just kill or hurt Falcon because he's just like a tool in the regime uh, that she wants to destroy. But she said like, since he's not hiding behind a shield, killing him would go meaningless. And so um, she really is trying to, at this point she's trying to like turn the tables. She wants Falcon to either like join her or, do the world a favor and just let her go and be on her merry way. So it is kind of like a bargaining discussion. It seems like she really needed to threaten um, Sam's sister and her kids just to really show Sam that she's not playing around. Cause then you got to think like, she's still a really young girl. She's trying to do a lot. Her intention is, I'd say for lack of a better term are correct. It's just the way she's going about things, which Sam mentions earlier, it's just she's not doing things right. There's much better like uh, ways to actually try and achieve the peace and restore the order that she wants, but she's doing it in a, like a very violent way and that later people play the price of that and she starts to realize why. That's kind of it for like the bulk of their conversation because after that, things kind of go south. Well, the South that you're referring to is Sharon calls or does her walkie talkie thing that Mm -hmm. all the Avengers have and tells them that uh, Walker is here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's when they all fly away or Walker's on the move. Yeah, he's quickly trying to get a hold of them and get a hold of uh, Carly. And so they all they all go to where Walker's at. And uh, he walks in and one of the soldiers like takes Lamar and uh, Mm -hmm. puts him in the back room and they've got like a drip going and he's all messed up and hurt. And uh, when Sam and Bucky show up, that's that's what he says is they have Lamar. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first things they see is is uh John throws this super soldier through like a wall or whatever and just messes him up good. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're like, whoa, how the hell did this happen? To like so oh, it's pretty shit. Pretty clear he took the super soldier serum. Eventually an all-out brawl breaks loose between Walker, Sam, and Bucky versus all the flag smashers. And then the pivotal moment is finally Lamar like gets up and he uses his knife to cut the, the uh, mm. zip tie and Carly is just about to just wreck John Walker and uh, Lamar hops in the way Battlestar hops in his way and she just, she gets him real good and just right in like the sternum right in the chest 
and he goes flying into like a concrete pillar and he's laying there and there's blood gushing out. And it's one of those moments where nobody really wanted to be fighting. And so the fighting stops. And it's just like, whoa, what even happened? Kind of like if you're like wrestling with your siblings and then your sibling gets hurt and you're just like, oh no, what happened? Yeah. And so John goes over there and he grabs his face. He's like, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. And he's like, then he, he goes through like all of the stages really fast. And he, yeah, I have grief. I think, he's, I think he stops at anger. He just starts with like super upsetness and then he gets to anger and then it's then it's over with. All mm-hmm. of the flag smashers flee the scene and, and John Walker just goes goes after him. And that's when he catches Nico. Nico. The man who looked up to Captain America. I looked up to Captain America. Basically, uh, John tackles him into a staircase. It's a few stairs going up to like a statue, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's like a busy town square too with plenty of all the All the people are standing there watching him and he just takes the shield and he raises it above his head and everybody's got their phones out and Sam and Bucky show up and can't stop him fast enough. He brings it down on his face, maybe three, four, five times. It wasn't like, he gets him a number. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, I mean, it was overkill, but it wasn't like he just kept going until he couldn't breathe anymore. It was, it was like two, three, four good times. Mm -hmm. And all the people are watching and Sam and Bucky are just in shock. And then he stands up and he puts the shield back around his arm and it's just dripping this guy's blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where it ends. Yeah, that's going to be an iconic scene for the MCU. Seeing that shield with the blood just dripping from the bottom of it with everyone surrounding Walker. And that's where the episode title comes in of the world is watching. The whole world is watching. I'm not gonna lie, man. When he first finally gets him and he uh gets Nico on the ground and he's looking over him like that, I was like, oh no. Oh no. And then when he lifts up that shield and you see the fear like teeth gritting rage on Walker's face as he has that shield just raised above his head. I was like, how violent is this about to get? Like, how, what are they gonna show? Are they going the boys level here? What's going on? And then oh, he I just, wish. I <laughs> wish. Oh, man. It, but there's no way. Plenty can be inferred, but it got dark as hell. Doesn't he yell, where's Carly, a few times? Yeah, I think he yells something. Like, that's who he really wants. He's like, where's Carly? And he just, uh, he refuses to answer. And that's when he He's going to be on a murder rampage now. Especially now he that hits he can him a, fight them. He hits him a few good times. And then it like shows somebody through through somebody's phone of mm-hmm. the video and him standing there in that super heroic pose with the blood dripping out of his shield. Oh man, it's going down. That was I awesome. Know. Even Bucky and Sam are just like, yo, what the actual just staring yeah. at him. Um, but it's, it's wild. And so I want to say they do play a little bit of a moment to that too, because in civil war, when Tony, Bucky, and uh, Steve are having their final confrontation before Steve and Bucky leave, 
Cap raises his shield up as if he's about to kill Tony. You have that brief instant, just like in this, where like, oh God, is he about to kill him? Because um, I want to say either his full helmet's off or just the faceplate on uh, the suit. And he's vulnerable, but Cap instead, and he doesn't go for the lethal blow with the shield. He goes directly to the center of the uh, Iron Man suit to basically shut it off. He goes for the power source and he just walks away and he drops the shield. However, this crazy lunatic. That's because Tony says that shield doesn't belong to you. And, and he so drops it. Cap, so Cap leaves it. But this super, but this super good friend puts his shield back on and he's getting revenge for his friend. Walker is a fucking asshole. Let me, let me he's a murderer. ask you. Let me ask you if the roles were reversed and Steve is in this fight, right? Mm-hmm. And Sam comes diving in front of Carly. Carly punches Sam into a, into a, a pillar and Sam's dead. Mm-hmm. Does Steve not go after the flag smashers and do maybe the same thing? And before you say, before you say, there's no way. There's definitely a way. Come on. <laughs> Come, That's th- what I like, was going to say. I was going to say there's that. There's definitely a way Steve is out to get revenge for his friend. Well, right? let me point this out right away. In the first Avenger, Bucky falls off the train. We don't see Cap spend the rest of the movie going on a murderous rampage going to try and revenge Bucky just because... He died. Granted, well, different yeah, circumstance, but he's not going and literally trying to kill every single Nazi out there and Hydra agent. Um, he handles it differently. Even on the train, he feels remorse, but it's not rage. He handles himself. Well, he wants to kill. He. He. Let me gather my thoughts. John Walker doesn't want to kill every flag smasher. He wants to kill Carly. And. He couldn't get a hold of Carly. He got a hold of of Nico. Nico. And uh he's he asked him where Carly was. Nico wasn't willing to give her up. Gotta take a few shields to the to the dome. But is that really worth killing over? Um he then... In my mind, in my mind, no. All right. Another trick scenario, Devin. Here it is. You're fighting Carly. I dive in front of her. Boom. She kills me. Are you just going to be like, Oh yeah, whatever. He's dead. Come on. <laughs> no, of course that's, I'm not going to act friend, like that. Man. Come on. I know it. I understand that there's a long synergy that goes with that too. He's, but the fact of the matter is you still have. super upset they just killed his friend. Yes. But Louis. And the, he's probably, he sh- mo- he's probably mad at himself because like you said earlier, Lamar is the better of the two. If someone was to die, it should have been him. And even if he got punched, he's super soldier man. He's not going to die. Lamar died. Lamar is dead. Rest in peace, Lamar. Yeah, so now Nico is dead and Lamar is dead. What was resolved out of this conflict? You kill two people are dead on both sides, but nothing is gained. There's no resolution to the conflict at large. Things are just getting more and more out of hand. You have a batshit lunatic who feels entitled to his strength and title oh, more than he's coming after actually you upholding. Next, 
Oh, bring it on, you motherfucker. He's coming after you next. In all seriousness, I mean, Walker has a huge responsibility. He cannot live up to the expectations and the responsibilities of actually being what Captain America is supposed to represent. Now, I'm going to get controversial here because, like I said, there's a lot of reflection going on with this later half of the episode that really does reflect everything going on with like police brutality and law enforcement that's very controversial in the US and especially in the rest of the world too we've been seeing it I won't go back like into details we've all understand what happened in 2020 and all the crazy nonsense that went on however the way they're portraying it here going back to Sam you have the peaceful way of handling situation versus just acting violent and out of hand and out of line and you see how your attempt to de-escalate does the exact fucking opposite and you escalate the hell out of everything. And this is what ends up happening. And so when you have someone who is supposed to say like wear a badge or wear something that is supposed to be the one protecting, preserving, and maintaining the, the peace, the law, and has the like tools at their disposal to do so and should be properly trained. But then again, once again, you can't just punch your way out of a situation. That's not going to be the way to resolve everything. With violence, that's not going to be correct. It's not right. We've seen it in our society. We've seen it tons of ways it's played out in movies, television shows, books, comic books, what have you. And so here you have an individual who is chosen by the U.S. government to become the new Captain America. If this is the America that they want to represent, then yes, he is a perfect representation of Captain America for the modern United States and their government. Because if they have, they have a choice here moving forward with the episode. Do they try and play this off? The whole world watched him. Literally everyone is seeing all his footage. We're going to see the backlash of his decisions in the next episode. Does the government say, fuck you, we're getting rid of the shield this is not right this is not who it should be or this is something we've seen do they try and play off the fact that he just tried to take down a terrorist and succeeded and probably saved more and more people and more lives from this violent militia anti blah 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 terrorist group so he was trying to preserve and protect liberty and justice for all and all that nonsense PR shit to try and spin it and say that, oh, he was acting under full right and he did the right thing and he doesn't even get any sort of repercussion. And by the fact, oh yeah, he's a super soldier now. All of a sudden, that wasn't a decision that was made by the government. That was literally all out of his 100% selfishness. And so depending on how he's handled the next episode i think it is gonna further speak on the commentary of just people who uh are in law enforcement or just how police brutality does really play effect when there's no repercussion there's no proper training it's all just a bunch of nonsense when someone who's innocent or should not have been handled a certain way ends up getting murdered and killed over something that could have been handled a lot differently i mean if you want answers from someone and you decide to kill them, guess what, dumbass? You're not going to get any sort of information following afterwards. And so the fact that Walker goes through and is literally just going batshit crazy now and ends up killing Nico, 
it's 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 not right. No Avenger would have done that. Steve definitely would not have done that. So to answer your question earlier, how I see Steve playing out this situation if he was here, I think yes, he would have been hurt. He would have been distraught. But I think he would have spent more time trying to stay with the person who just died. He would not have gone immediately like, Lamar, Lamar. And then I, I'm going to head out and then chase down Carly and Nico and get all this rage. I'm sure a lot of people would answer in the same way. But the thing is, he is supposed to be the one that's now Captain America. He should be a, a just, upright person. And if you want to truly bring someone to justice, you don't fucking bash their chest cavity in until they're almost completely split in half with this vibranium shield of yours. It's not right. So, I'm still not a fan of Walker. He's still a fuckboy. And I hope he gets his ass slapped by the rest of the uh, true heroes in the show. It's America's ass. Here it is. Here it is. They, the government, as you, as... As you've pointed out, they could have given that shield to a to a red, white, and blue pie, and everyone would have been angry. Steve Rogers became Captain America at a time where national patriotism was at an all-time high. And he represented the little man that became this quite literal super soldier. And he was going to save America from the Nazis. He was going to save the world from Thanos. Steve Rogers is the epitome of Captain America. They, in in a sense, they probably shouldn't have given the shield to anybody else. There was another Captain America that we've seen in the, in the show Mm -hmm. who didn't, it didn't work out well for him either for other reasons, but, um, so nobody can have that shield effectively ever again. The fact that Bucky thinks that Sam should have kept the shield because that's what Steve wanted is ludicrous. If, if Sam kept the shield and became Captain America, everybody would say, you're not Captain America. You'll never be Captain America. You're just Mm -hmm. Sam. You're just the Falcon. Well, now you've got John Walker that everybody hates for reasons. And uh, (laughs) they're clamoring for Sam now. So in a way, you're getting, you know, you're getting people that want Sam to be Captain America that would have been upset if he was when the show started. John Walker can't get any respect because he's not Steve Rogers. Nobody respects him. So when you're trying to, when you're put in a position of power and nobody respects you, you have one other option and that's fear. Well, now he isn't going to get the respect he needs. He can't get a hold of Carly. The guy won't tell him. Granted, yeah, now he'll never be able to tell him he's dead. However, he sent a message, you know, now you have to fear me. Now I mean business. I'm for real. There's other flag smashers out there. They're going to run into them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a, you better take me seriously. Nobody's taking me seriously. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Take me seriously now. And, uh, it's pretty, uh, 
like you said, it was pretty intense. Granted, I don't think Steve would have killed that guy if he killed Sam Mm -hmm. either. But I just think in the moment, he was very upset about Lamar being killed and he needed to just, that's what he thought of immediately was to just get revenge as fast as he could. Um, he wasn't in a good frame of mind. He, uh, he messed up, but I liked what you said. I think they're going to spin it in that captain America took down a terrorist and he Mm -hmm. should be praised. I didn't even think of that. I thought that was a very good, uh, point of view. I think that's what the media will say. And, um, I'm still, uh, Still a John Walker guy over here. I think he, uh, when, when you see John Walker, you see a fuck boy, mm-hmm. prissy white guy that is selfish. When I look at John Walker, I see a guy who wants to be a good Captain America and he's trying to do a good job, but he's, he's just not doing it the best way that he can mm. that's the way i look like in all in all seriousness you know i say john walker is dope and everything and i do like him i just i think he's he's trying and that's what i like he said being cap is the first time he's ever been able to feel like he's doing something right mm. which means when he was away at war something i couldn't even imagine the whole time he felt like he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't belong there. He wasn't supposed to be there. He's not doing something right. And now that he's Captain America, he finally has a chance to right the wrongs he did while he was in war. And he, nobody cares to even pay attention to him. They don't, they just say, you're not Steve Rogers. We don't give a, we don't give a damn about you. And every, that'll be for anybody. So now he took that as, if you're not going to respect me as Captain America, you're going to fear me as Captain America. And uh, we'll see what goes on in the in the next episode. Do you understand where I'm coming from, at least now that I kind of explained it a little better? <laughs> no, I really do. Uh, I do respect your point, too. I do like what you brought up about the fear, because that is a really good retaliation. It's like what you said. You're not getting the attention that you want, or you feel like you're not being respected, and then fear really comes into it. Um, that really taps into my Anakin Skywalker and Star Wars side of things. Um, you know, honestly, I do agree that he is trying. It's just he lacks true guidance. And you're also a product of your environment, too. So say, like, say he was actually with Steve still alive. He's with Tony Stark and the rest of the Avengers. And he's that he's in that culture and that environment. He probably could have become a much better person, actually become a good hero. But the fact of the matter is that we're living in an entirely different world now because of the post blip and everyone is pretty much gone or retired at this point or no longer alive. And so, like they said, the world needs heroes and that's why they decided to go with him as a new Captain America. But when you don't really have good mentorship, that's when things can be really twisted and get out of hand. And so, especially with Lamar Hoskins getting, you know, RIP this episode. That's really the only thing that was really left grounding, just barely Walker. And so it makes sense that he's spinning out of control. 
So um, I do think in a perfect world, he could have been much better. But now he's at this point where he took a serum that he should not have. He's in a role that's definitely high stress and he's acting purely out of like instinctual habits now and just he's become more violent because of it. And now he has a strength to back up his violence, which is what makes him very scary. Um, there's something else I was going to say too, about your point. Um, they did. So they did point back like in the second episode of the show, they have shown him a little bit more, uh, of a human. And that's where people are like, Oh wait, maybe he actually is like a likable guy. He is by all means a likable guy. It's just, he is, like I said, he's lacking true intent and doesn't know how to go about things properly. He doesn't know what to do. He just thinks, you know what? Just because I am this title now, that whatever I do is seen as good because I was selected as like the number one person to be good. It's like being president of the United States. You might be the most perfect person to do the job. It's but exactly everyone's always like gonna being have, the president of the United States. Yeah, you're always going to have half the world hate you and half of the world praise you. It's exactly like that. All this hashtag not my Captain America crap. Yeah. It's, the, it's exactly like being the president. But I will point out too when you mentioned how um, no one really gives a damn about him or says like, no, you're still not like, I don't respect you, I don't respect you. He's not getting the respect from the people that he wants because we've seen him. He gets a whole Good Morning America, uh, like morning pep rally at his old high school. Everyone is cheering his name. He's signing autographs. There's posters everywhere. Even going back to, um, uh, I forgot the soldier's name uh, that we got introduced in like the first episode or so. Um, who helps Torres? out, Sam? Yeah, Torres. He's even like, oh yeah, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Have you met him? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so there are people who like him, especially who are like on the outside of things before all the events of the episode four that happened. We even see him while him and Lamar are out at the mall just drinking coffee and having the serum discussion. Someone comes up to him and wants an autograph and wants a photo. He's He is liked. He is admired. Even out of the country he is. Um, this is a problem that the people he really wants it from are the ones who are not giving it to him. They're not just giving him the attention he wants or he thinks he deserves, which is Sam, Bucky. Now, I wouldn't really count Zemo, but, you know, in his kind of like work environment, per se, in the office, his coworkers think he's kind of a kind of a loser. But at home, everyone loves him. So well, that's why he's having like such a struggle and difficult time trying to actually deal with the difference, like, why won't they like me? Why won't they like me? Why won't they like me? I'm a good person. I've done good things. Why don't they like me? Yeah. And the, that's another big difference between him and Steve is in the first Avenger, Steve was this propaganda machine who would punch Hitler in a big show and he'd come out mm-hmm. after the after the girls. And then he finally played for the troops and they were all like, get this clown off my stage. Exactly. That's a good point. I mean, think. And he that. didn't get their respect until he put on his suit or whatever, and he grabbed some guns and he went and rescued that platoon from uh, the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. So he did something heroic, but 
I think now the world is so used to heroic things that even if John Walker does something heroic, mm-hmm. people are still like, yeah, Ant-Man does that, you know, every, you know, yeah. not to. It's true. It's saturated. So but it also has a good point that you bring up though, is the fact like he had to do a truly heroic act, which was also very sacrificial. He could have died easily just trying to storm into that camp and liberate all the, the troops and the soldiers. They even like people, uh, maybe like Sharon and I forget the general's name. They thought it was a total idiot move for him to actually even see action. They just wanted to be that propaganda machine. Excuse me. Excuse me. Did you, did you just call the love of my life? I I, I fucked up. Did you just call her Sharon? I did. I said Sharon. I. Wow. Wow. Easy now. Don't beat me with a shield. Uh, I'm. He's got the mouse pad. <laughs> a hundred lashings with a wet noodle. <laughs> I did. Her Thank and Tommy Lee me, Jones. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. I don't remember Tommy Lee Jones's character's name, but yeah. But yeah, the point being that like he did something that was truly heroic, but also, um, I think pretty Steve, dumb in the in the eyes of his uh, of his uh, peers. Yeah, but the thing also was deep down, Steve isn't doing for recognition or for respect. He's doing it because he knows it's the right thing, and if he is able to make a difference, which is what he's been wanting to do even before this serum, he's going to take in control and seize the opportunity. Which is why it's so incredible in that moment that they're like, "Oh God!" Like he actually he's a real deal. We can't just pass him off and so walker really never had that opportunity never did that but now that he's had this it's um his defining moment however it's not the heroic act it's not the sack like the self-sacrificing act it's the act out of pure emotion and rage and now um (laughs) someone is dead because of it two people are dead because of it so it's very dark it got very dark for mcu before we talk about this for another hour and a half that is true and just just uh lull our audience to sleep let's just say you can be a, a steve rogers fan you can be a john walker fan but the one thing we can all agree on is we need to see more vintage clips of Isaiah Bradley as Captain America. I'd be down right? for that. Do you think he actually, um, well, at least in the MCU's version of him, do you think they actually gave him the the title Captain America while Steve was on ice? Or do you think they just sent him in kind of like a Winter Soldier kind of thing? I don't know. I would hope that he was Captain America if he was fighting the Winter Soldier as Bucky, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't have a shield because right. Cap had his shield in the ice, but I don't know. That would be interesting to see or hear about. Let's get some more Isaiah Bradley in here. I think he's going to pop in maybe the last episode. They might bring him you back know, in. You know what? Isaiah Bradley is uh, He's in... Captain, you know, he's Captain America. Maybe mm-hmm. 
when he's getting his soul, his super soldier serum or whatever, he comes out and he's like, Oh man, I'm feeling pretty good. And he has a run in with Wolverine. I haven't mentioned him all episode. Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think that's going to be the end of tonight's discussion. <laughs> well played. Um, we didn't well do our shout outs. Who got, yeah, let's who do that got, real quick. Who got the answer right? Yeah, so uh, the shout-outs that Louie is referencing. Um, so we're starting this new thing called uh, Trivia Tuesdays, Tuesday Trivia, on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, and so uh, we threw out a interesting piece of trivia today where the question was, what are the first two Infinity Stones that Thanos obtains in Infinity War? And the correct answer was the power and space stones. So... Vote me for God. Richard Porter said power and space. Louis Tonnerini said power and space. Oh, that guy's pretty cool. GC Malashevsky, Greg Malashevsky said power and space. Um, Emily Sweetheart said power and space. Shout out to her. Who created our sweetheart. Yeah. And Jeff Duckman answered power and space on Instagram. Good job, guys. So those were all correct answers. Good job, guys. I didn't look on Facebook. Thanks for playing. Uh, yeah. I don't think we got anything on Facebook. Check out our Facebook. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so we're going to keep those rolling on Tuesdays, and that's the easiest way to get a shout-out on the show. Um, and it's a fun way to just kind of try out some trivia and then we're gonna have civil war wednesdays which is kind of more like a this or that thing they'll post on instagram and facebook as well um that'll be fun so be on the lookout for those on wednesdays Devin and i agree on a lot but some things we don't agree on and uh you're gonna have to settle the score are you team Devin or team louie in the civil war Ooh, i like they did that i think i'm gonna put our faces on captain iron man don't threaten me with a good time. There's a pretty I good know. picture of me as Cap if you're, uh, if you're looking for it. Ooh. All right, everybody. So thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week. Episode five. Only two left. Oh, what are we going to do? Just wait until we watch Loki. Thank you for listening to another episode of Earth 894, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Stay up to date with the show by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Earth894 underscore podcast. We'll see you next time. Delight. Irresistible.